Lord be with you. Good morning, friends. I am so excited to see such a full room. And there's a spirit that I feel in this room of people who have a real heart for learning about what's happening uh, with our Christian brothers and sisters in the Middle East, and particularly this morning in Syria. So thank you all for being here. Um, I'm very grateful to have you all here. Let me give a real quick recap, and then I'll introduce our guest speaker and turn it over to him. So we're doing a four-part series studying Christianity in the Middle East, and in particular, kind of the Presbyterian role of Christianity in the Middle East, which is uh, where, where I have a little bit of uh, experience and knowledge. And so last week, we, uh, we talked about a brief history of Christianity in the Middle East with a focus on Presbyterian history and a consideration of present-day issues. Now, if you missed this last week, uh, I'm going to be recording this lecture, and it'll be up on the website uh, by the end of, of this week. So if you want to go back and learn a little bit about Christian history in the Middle East, and particularly the role of Pres Presbyterians, uh, take a look. We'll, we'll send out the link for that in one of our emails that we send out. This week, we're going to talk about Christianity in Syria and Lebanon, and we have a guest speaker who I'll introduce to you shortly. Week three next week, we'll be talking about the history and current state of Christianity in Egypt and Iraq, and we're also going to add Iran on there. Um, and so if you have interest in any of those three countries or sort of what's happening with the state of Christianity in those countries, please be here next week. And in our final week, week four, uh, we're going to talk about history and current state of Christianity in Israel-Palestine, and you're going to have two more guest speakers. One is Fahed Abu Akel, who many of you know, was a pastor here at this church and a dear friend of mine, um, sort of one of my mentors. And then also, one of your own, Tim English. Is Tim here today? No. So Tim just took a trip to Israel and Palestine, and he and I were talking about his experience there. And uh, I invited him to come share a little bit of his own personal experience of having just been in the Holy Land as it relates specifically to Christianity in, in that region. So I uh, hope you will stick with us through, uh, through this series, and we're excited to be sharing and learning more about our brothers and sisters in Christ, particularly in the Middle East. Uh, there's a couple seats down here. So, yeah, if y'all will make sure we, uh, as people come in, we've got a few seats left. So, um, today we're going we're gonna to talk about Christianity in Syria and Lebanon. One of the things that I said last week is that typically a lot of North Americans, when we think about Christianity in the Middle East, we think about ancient history. We think about Jesus being born in Bethlehem and dying in Jerusalem, and Paul having his conversion on the road to Damascus. But as it turns out, there's still a very thriving Christian population in the Middle East, and some of them are even Presbyterians, uh, which, which is great. And so um, this is sort of a living picture of what Christianity in the Middle East looks like, and this is actually Reverend Salam's church. Um, these are the young adults in this church here, and then this is the Presbyterian women of the church in Latakia, Syria. And so this is what I think of when I think of Christianity in the Middle East, and I think of my brother Salam. And so I'd like to introduce uh, this is uh, Reverend Salam Hanna. He is a pastor for the National Evangelical Synod of Syria and Lebanon, which is the Presbyterian Church. It's a bi-national Presbyterian Church that covers both Syria and Lebanon. Uh, pastor Salam uh, pastors a church in Latakia, Syria, and uh, he'll tell you a little bit more about that. And he also runs the relief and rehabilitation program for the Presbyterian Church in Syria and Lebanon. So in the midst of the civil war, uh, Pastor Salam is doing some very, very difficult but important work in terms of responding to the needs of refugees and responding to the needs of internally displaced people and people who lack resources because of the Civil War. So we're very, very blessed to have him. I will open us in prayer and then I will turn it over to, uh, to Reverend Salam. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you are a God of all people and of all times. 
On this day, we think, Lord, about your precious children in the Middle East. We think about their struggles, how they are suffering. And Lord, we read in the Holy Scriptures that as your body of Christ rejoices, we rejoice with them. And as your body of Christ suffers, we suffer with them. So today, Lord, let us learn about the joys and the sorrows of our brothers and sisters in Syria and Lebanon. Let us in our hearts, let that joy and sorrow enter our hearts. And let it give us the courage and the strength to do something about the situation in the Middle East. To love as you have taught us to love. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Good morning. It's my pleasure to be with you here, and I would like to thank the First Presbyterian Church uh, for uh, giving me this opportunity to share with you things about uh, uh, our church in Syria and our uh, the Middle East uh, Middle Eastern Christianity. Uh, we have uh, some Syrian friends here also, and uh, thanks for coming uh, to join us. Uh, I'm Salam. I've been a, a pastor for 16 years old. Uh, I mean, for uh, I was first in uh, the Presbyterian Church uh, nearby Homs, uh, which is in the middle of Syria, and then three years ago I moved to Latakia. Uh, Latakia Church has almost 1,000 members. Uh, it's the biggest church, Presbyterian Church, of our synod in Syria and Lebanon. It was uh, founded by the Presbyterian uh, American missionaries uh, in the midst of the uh, 19th century. Uh, they uh, came to the Middle East and they found uh, uh, two schools for boys and for girls and those who uh, uh, experienced the uh, Protestant uh, mission uh, they converted from uh, traditional churches, basically the Greek Orthodox Church, into uh, Presbyterian, uh, the Presbyterian Church. As you know, uh, Christianity started in the Middle East, in, uh, uh, in Palestine, and uh, uh, as we read in the book of Acts, uh, Paul went to Damascus uh, in, the, in the first century to persecute Christians. So Christians uh, were in Damascus even before Paul, or Saul, he was Saul at, at the beginning. And uh, uh, Christianity uh, uh, started there and it spread out throughout the whole uh, uh, country and then throughout the whole ancient world. Uh, as you know, in, uh, in, uh, in history, in the fourth century BC, Alexander the Great invaded the whole uh, uh, Mediterranean area and uh, uh, he spread the, the Hellenistic uh, culture. Uh, but at, before that, uh, in Syria, there was also the Aramaic uh, uh, culture and language. So basically, uh, when Christianity flourished, uh, there were several traditions. Uh, uh, the Greek tradition, which is the international tradition, and the regional tradition and language, which is the Aramaic, which is Syriac, and also the Hebrew in, uh, in Palestine. So when Christianity started, there were al already uh, 
different traditions. And this has led uh, the church to be uh, diverse from the very beginning. So basically in Syria we have the uh, Greek tradition, which is now the Greek Orthodox uh, Church, and the Syriac tradition, which is the Syriac Orthodox Church. Th this, this is from the very beginning. And you know, as Christianity moved to different places, it adopted the culture of the, uh, of the area. So we have the Coptic uh, tradition in Egypt, we have the Latin tradition in Rome, we have the Assyrian tradition in Mesopotamia, in Iraq now, and in uh, various places in the world. So in Syria, we have uh, basically two traditions, the Syriac tradition and the uh, Greek tradition. And they still follow the same ancient traditions in language, in, uh, in culture, in liturgy, in worship, in, in everything. Uh, in uh, the year uh, uh, 329, uh, the Byzantine Empire uh, controlled the whole area uh, following the uh, Roman, the old, the Western Roman Empire. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the emperor was uh, Augustine, uh, who converted to Christianity and he uh, 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 declared the uh, uh, freedom of worship after uh, 300 years of uh, persecution to the Christians. Uh, Augustine said in uh, 313 uh, that uh, uh, there is a freedom of worship and Christianity is the main religion of, uh, of the empire. Uh, so the Greek, the Greek Orthodox Church uh, uh, became uh, part of the Byzantine uh, Empire. It like kind of uh, united with the Byzantine, and now they follow the Byzantine tradition since uh, the year uh, 329. But they were before uh, before that time. Uh, as you know, I, I'm giving just a brief history about this. Uh, in, uh, the, the church had uh, several uh, uh, councils. In uh, the year 451, uh, there was a council in, in Chalcedon, in the city of Chalcedon. And in that council, the church debated uh, a major issue about the nature of Christ, whether he is uh, of one nature or two natures. So those who refused uh, uh, the, the two natures are called the monophysite, uh, single nature. Uh, there was a problem of languages. They, they thought that they are talking about two persons. And that's why the, uh, the Syriac Orthodox Church, the Coptic Orthodox Church, and the Armenian Orthodox Church, and the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, say, no, Jesus is not of two natures, or of not two persons, as they understood. No, he is of one nature. And that was the first split in, uh, in Christianity, uh, which is now we have two, tra two traditions that's called the Chalcedonian churches and the non-Chalcedonian churches in, uh, that started in the year 451. Uh, 
Then uh, uh, the, uh, there was also some persecution for the, from the Greek Orthodox against the Syriac Orthodox. So the Syriac uh, Patriarch has to move from Antioch, which was the seat for patriarchy, to uh, uh, an area between the, uh, uh, close to the Euphrates River. Then in uh, the second uh, uh, major split in Christianity, I'm mentioning the splits in order to know the Christians that we have, the, the types of Christianity that we have in the Middle East. The second sl split was in the 11th century, in the year uh, 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 1054. This is called the uh, Great Schism. You can read about it in history. It was between the Western Church, which became the Catholic Church, and the Eastern Church, the, which is now the Orthodox uh, Church. The split uh, came after uh, discussion about uh, if the Holy Spirit comes from the Father or from the Father and the Son. Yeah, it looks silly for us a little bit, but th this was a major discussion until now in the Nicene Creed, we say that he, uh, 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 that the Holy Spirit comes from the Father and the Son, as we follow the Catholic tradition. But the Orthodox say, say he comes from the Father. Uh, but there were also uh, other, other. I mean, it was it was not only doctrinal uh, uh, matters, but it was also uh, uh, political matters. The uh, Church of Rome tried to control the uh, Eastern churches, especially in, in Constantinople, and then uh, uh, it didn't work, so they had to split. And uh, th that's when we have uh, uh, the Catholics, and I mean, the Catholics were there before, but they were not called Catholics, or they were not divided from the uh, ecumenical church. Um, in uh, then you know in uh, uh, the year 1453, uh, uh, the, that year was very major for uh, the Byzantine Church with the fall of Constantinople under the Ottoman, uh, the Ottoman invasion who came from the uh, uh, from the east, from the far east. And uh, uh, since then, in the year 1453, uh, the, uh, uh, the church uh, almost lost uh, to be the church of uh, the empire because uh, the Ottomans took over and controlled the whole area for around 400 years till uh, the 20th century. Uh, the Ottomans, uh, um, controlled the, the, that area and they made it almost backward areas. Uh, they harmed the church uh, in, a, in a massive way uh, by uh, uh, making a lot of rules that control the, uh, uh, the, the church, the uh, ways of worship and uh, etc. Uh, so uh, Protestantism uh, came to, uh, Protestant missionaries came to the uh, Middle East 
in the uh, uh, 19th century after the Great Awakening in the uh, uh, in Europe and the United States, uh, they wanted to evangelize uh, the whole world and you know the Great uh, Commission and they wanted to uh, evangelize the Jews and the Muslims and to revive the uh, Eastern churches. So the first missionaries came in around 1818 or 1820. It's debatable the exact year. Uh, years. And that's when uh, Protestantism uh, started in uh, the Middle East. So uh, uh, this uh, very quick survey and many <laughs> numbers of years uh, shows us that uh, Christianity is diverse from the very beginning because of traditions and then it also, it's also uh, uh, diverse uh, because of schisms and splits in the church. And uh, I, I missed to mention that the Catholics uh, also came as uh, missionaries even before the Protestants. And many churches, Greek church, Greek Orthodox, uh, they became united with Rome, so they became the Greek Catholic Church. Syriac Orthodox united with Rome, and they became the Syriac uh, Catholic Church. <laughs> uh, also, uh, uh, we have uh, so we have basically the Greek Orthodox, the Greek Catholics, the Syriac Orthodox, the Syriac Catholics, and the Protestant churches. We have the mainline Protestant churches in Syria. Uh, we have basically the Presbyterian, uh, uh, and in Lebanon we have the Presbyterian and the Congregational, and in Jordan Palestine uh, we have the. Uh, Anglican uh, and the Lutheran churches. The, the missionaries divided the area uh, for their work. Um, there is also uh, there was a movement in the uh, uh, 5th century uh, by a Syriac monk uh, called Maroon and uh, uh, he started the kind of uh, uh, monastic movement uh, from the Syriac church, from the Syriac tradition and he founded in the 7th century, uh, uh, not himself, I mean his, his followers, Johanna Maroon, John Maroon, uh, founded the Maronite Church, which is now the National Church of Lebanon. And it's the second major church after the Coptic Church in number, I'm talking, in the Middle East. Uh, uh, in, the, in the Mesopotamia, we have also the Assyrian tradition, and we have few Assyrians in Syria. So uh, there is a diversity of Christianity uh, in, in Syria and in Lebanon and in the whole Middle East. And in the 20th century also the uh, Anabaptist tradition started to uh, send missionaries and now we have the Baptist Church, the Nazarene, the Alliance, the Church of God and many, many other churches uh, that we have. So this is a basic survey. I don't know if you have any questions about this uh, before I move to, the, to talking about the current situation of the church. Yes, please? Just a quick question. What percentage of the population is Christian versus other religions? In Syria. In Syria. Yeah. Uh, well, Christianity in Syria was a uh, uh, majority till the coming of Islam in the 7th century. And uh, uh, many Christians converted to Islam 
I mean, the whole country was Christian by the 7th century, whether Syriac Orthodox or Greek Orthodox. Uh, but uh, some people started to convert to Islam uh, uh, by fear, because uh, they are afraid of uh, being killed, or because they want to avoid to pay the uh, jizya, uh, uh, which, which was put on the uh, non-Muslims. Uh, so, since then, uh, Christianity started declining, but uh, uh, by the 20th century, uh, Christianity was around 25% of, uh, uh, of Syria, of Syrian population. Uh, in Lebanon, it was more, it was like uh, 60% of the population. In Turkey, it was 20%. Uh, by the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, 20th century has witnessed uh, a decline of Christianity uh, in, 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 a, in a very strong way. Um, like, I'll give you an example. Uh, in Syria, from 25%, now it's almost 5%. Within, within one year. I mean, in, in this, during the Syrian crisis, I believe we lost like 4% of our uh, uh, population. In Turkey, for example, uh, Christianity, uh, uh, Christianity was 20%. It uh, declined now to 0.2%. Uh, yeah, because uh, Christians uh, could, not, uh, I mean, could not live under the uh, uh, hard rules of uh, the Ottoman Empire, and then, uh, I mean, they, they just immigrated. Also, we have, I missed uh, also uh, one tradition, which is the Armenian uh, tradition uh, that came after the Armenian genocide in the 1915 that happened by the Ottomans, and they uh, moved from uh, uh, Turkey now uh, into Syria, and now uh, they are based in Basically, they were based in Aleppo, and few in Latakia, and Homs, and Damascus, and in Lebanon. Uh, I give you an example uh, about percentage, uh, uh, for which is which is uh, which does not represent the whole country, but it's very uh, uh, it's very sad. In Aleppo alone, uh, before the crisis, uh, Christians were around 12 to 15 percent. Uh, like 400,000. I asked a, a priest there, a pastor, and I told him, uh, what's the percentage of Christianity in Aleppo now? And he said, well, out of uh, 400,000, we have like 60,000 now, because Aleppo is facing a very strong uh, struggle and fighting. And, uh, but People did not, not all of them moved outside of the country. Some are internally dis displaced people. So the percentage is between 10 to 5% now, uh, uh, which is, uh, I mean, uh, in, in the whole Middle East, it's declining. In, in Palestine, for example, uh, Christianity in Jerusalem was around uh, 50% by the 1945. Now in Jerusalem, it's 2%. So it's, it's dropping down. Basically, the, 
uh, instability and the uh, wars that uh, uh, the, the different wars we have been living in war for <laughs> for so many years whether in, in, in Lebanon or whether in Palestine, Israel or whether in, in Syria uh, this has led to uh, the decline and immigration of Christianity. Any other question before I move? Yes, please. Do you know the percentage of Syrians who got dislocated in Syria, whether went to other cities or immigrated to other countries? Yeah. Okay. Uh, since this question about uh, the current situation, I'll start with the uh, Syrian crisis. Uh, the uh, Syrian crisis uh, started uh, uh, in fifteenth uh, uh, of March two thousand eleven. Uh, with the uh, it was, there was an incident by then clashes between the uh, uh, some people and the police, and uh, now it's more than uh, five years. Uh, things developed in a, a dramatic way. Uh, from uh, demonstrations to violence and then into a war. Uh, now, after uh, five years, uh, out of 23 million Syrians, there are 11 million displaced Syrians. Uh, seven of them, seven million, are displaced in uh, Syria, internally displaced, and four million are uh, refugees in the surrounding countries. And as you know, the refugee issues, uh, the refugee issue became a, a major issue in Europe, especially in Europe, uh, with the influx of refugees through Turkey or through the sea, and uh, the problems that's happening in Germany or any other places, uh, because uh, the, uh, the number is increasing uh, very much. So four million Syrians, uh, Basically, they are in Lebanon, Jordan, and Turkey, and uh, also hundreds of thousands moved to uh, Europe. So the percentage, to answer your question, the percentage of uh, uh, Syrian Christians who were dislocated, I would say it's uh, 10%. So, uh, I mean, maybe, uh, 10% of the Christians uh, are, are, are dislocated, oh, uh, I'm sorry, it's, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's the same percentage of their number, I mean, uh, out of, like, if, if 11 million are displaced, so 10% of the 11 million are displaced, so that would be a million Syrian uh, Christians out of uh, uh, two and a half millions. So that would be 30%. Yeah. yeah. Yes, please. We want to learn about your church, mm -hmm. about your ministry, and your role of helping refugees. Because when we look at television, Syria is burning. How do you do ministry in that kind of context? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, to look from outside is uh, different from to live things from inside. Uh, not the whole country is burning. There are still safe spots and safe areas, especially in the western part of Syria, uh, which is because of the uh, demography of that area. Uh, so now uh, 
uh, there are certain relatively safe areas where people can still live, and that's where ministry is still being done. Uh, our, uh, we, I work with the National Evangelical Synod of Syria and Lebanon, which is the Presbyterian Church of Syria and Lebanon, and uh, we have around uh, 18 uh, churches, functioning churches, uh, all over uh, Syria, and the number is around uh, 5,000 Presbyterians. Uh, ministry is still uh, 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 functioning in, uh, in the 18 churches. Some, we have some churches that faced uh, uh, war, like we have uh, around five sanctuaries that has been destroyed, uh, Aleppo, uh, Homs, uh, it's destroyed, but the, it's rebuilt after uh, the war has ended in that area. Uh, Damascus also was hit by a, a shelling, uh, by a rocket, uh, and it's also renovated. Maybe some of you have seen uh, photos on, uh, on Facebook, if you, if you have any contacts. And we have uh, also two churches that has been uh, destroyed, and we don't know about them. Uh, that's the Vassanie church, which is in, uh, close to Idlib. And the, in, in South Syria, near the Jordanian borders, we also have uh, a church that we don't know uh, much about, but uh, most probably it has been uh, destroyed. Uh, so uh, we have also some uh, uh, congregations that have been displaced, uh, the several, several congregations, like three or four. Uh, some came back started to, came, to come back like the people of Homs and others are still uh, waiting uh, till the areas are uh, uh, liberated from the armed opposition groups. Uh, uh, Christians still uh, live uh, in, in, a, in a good situation, let me say that, uh, under the uh, regime control areas. Uh, but when it comes to uh, ISIS or uh, Nusra Front or any of the radical groups, uh, Christians uh, uh, move from that area to another safe area. They cannot live under uh, their control. Uh, in some try to manage, but it's, it's not easy to live under the radical Islamic uh, Sharia law. Uh, for, for a long period of time. Uh, did I answer your question? I really wanted to know how do you work with the refugees mm. and how is your ministry with the youth, with the women? How, I mean, this is the first time I see a thousand member of Presbyterian. That's a, we, we never heard that before. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, I mean, in, in the whole synod, the, all the churches uh, function in different ways. Uh, but most of them have the uh, main worship service and uh, many also have uh, other meetings like for youth, for young adults, for women, for children, Sunday school, for uh, different uh, generations. Some have Bible studies or choir or etc. Uh, it I mean, depends on, uh, on the number of uh, uh, members of the congregation. Uh, we, uh, in the Synod, we help 
Uh, we started helping in 2012 when uh, violence escalated and people were affected. So uh, the Synod started uh, a relief program uh, informally. It was informal uh, because we were expecting that the crisis will end soon. So we started the ministry and we helped basically the uh, members of our churches, especially those who were uh, affected or were displaced or uh, lost uh, their jobs or houses or whatever. Uh, now, uh, we help around uh, 1,500 families, uh, almost on a monthly basis, sometimes every two months, it depends on, on the kind of our program. And we help in the locations of our uh, churches. Uh, we, I mean, when I say we, it's the synod. Uh, we help uh, in uh, providing uh, uh, food, hygiene, uh, cash assistance for fuel, uh, for electricity, uh, for water, uh, for schools, for medication, for different types of uh, assistance. And uh, uh, thanks to all uh, our partners, uh, especially here in the United States, in the Presbyterian Disaster Assistance and the Outreach Foundation, and all the churches that are participating in supporting uh, this uh, ministry. Uh, we help also Christians of other traditions and we also help uh, Muslims. But because our program is not that big, so we start with the uh, Presbyterians and then Christians and then the uh, uh, displaced and more affected uh, Muslims. Uh, our program has been for now for four years and uh, it's getting uh, bigger and uh, uh, including more people in, in different uh, sectors. Yes, please. What would you say would be the greatest threat to uh, Middle East Christianity and to your uh, church particularly? Uh, can you repeat, please, again? I didn't get the question. What would you say would be the biggest threat to your church and to Christianity in general in the area? Well, uh, War is, is uh, threatening to the Christians because Christians uh, are not involved in, uh, in uh, actions of war unless they are in, in the army, in the formal army, which is an oblig obligatory service. I mean, everyone in Syria has to, between age of 18 and 42, has to serve in the military and they uh, they, they, they have uh, to fight because they are in the military, not because they want to fight. Uh, Christians uh, try not to be involved in violence unless in certain areas where they have to defend themselves from the armed groups. So war is, the, is threatening. Uh, Christians are pacifists, basically. And the other threatening factor is the rise of uh, radical uh, armed uh, uh, Islamic groups. Uh, ISIS is a threat uh, to Christianity and even to moderate Muslims and to other minority uh, Muslim groups and other all other groups, the Nusra Front, the uh, uh, Islam soldiers and uh, so the rise of these radical groups <coughs> where they try to fight in order to control, and when they control, 
they uh, impose the uh, Sharia Islamic law, uh, uh, which has uh, certain uh, uh, regulations for the non-Muslims. Even the Muslims, I mean, I've seen several uh, videos on YouTube uh, for those who didn't go to prayer. Uh, they uh, slap them certain, uh, there is certain number because they didn't uh, attend and in front of all people. Some of them are uh, being uh, tortured or killed. Uh, so this is, uh, this is uh, also another threat. I would say also uh, another threatening factor is the uh, instability in, in the country, uh, especially in the uh, uh, services like electricity and uh, water and fuel and uh, 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 economic depreciation. Uh, for example, uh, inflation in Syria is uh, massive. The currency lost uh, 10 times of its values. So what we, uh, I mean, e each uh, 50 Syrian pound used to be equal to $1. Now each 500 Syrian pound is equal to $1. Uh, and people still get almost the same uh, salaries, which already, which, which were already low income. Uh, the average now is uh, almost uh, seventy to hundred dollar a month for a family, which is uh, hardly enough for a week to continue uh, the life. That's why the church has also to help people uh, because all were affected. Yes, sir. What was your church's relationship to local mosques before the war and what might it be now? Uh, our, you know, our relationship with the Muslims uh, throughout 1,300 or 400 years uh, was relatively good. I mean, it passed through uh, difficult times of war and of uh, fighting and sometimes uh, Christians are treated as second-class citizens. Uh, I, I mentioned an, an incident in the 1860s. Uh, the, there was a, a kind of uh, revolution by Muslims against the Christians in Damascus, in the old town of Damascus. And 11,000 Christians of that Christian quarter were killed. And the uh, uh, their quarter was destroyed. Uh, you know, in, uh, in 1947, uh, uh, the, uh, Syria was uh, uh, liberated from the French mandate and then it became independent. Uh, and at that date, uh, the, there was a rise of nationalism and secularism. And one of the secular, secular uh, uh, powers was the Ba'athist po power that took, uh, 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 took power in 1963. And since 1963, the Ba'athists, uh, which is a socialist, uh, totalitarian, secular party, and founded by a Christian, Michel Afla, the founder, uh, they tried to uh, treat all citizens equal. Okay. Of course, uh, uh, the, the whole country uh, suffered of some lack of freedom in political uh, uh, fields, 
but they had religious freedom and they had social freedom. So uh, women are not obliged to uh, veil. Uh, uh, people can drink alcohol, which is not allowed in, in, an Islamic, in the Islamic law. So since 1963 till today, uh, Christians are treated as equal citizens. And any, any movement of, by radical Muslims or by fanatic, fanatics or fundamentalists, any movement that try to uh, threaten the uh, harmony and the, uh, <coughs> the peace or the, the uh, safety and security of uh, uh, coexistence between uh, different uh, denominations, uh, that person would be arrested for threatening the national uh, peace. Uh, so uh, we can say that peace was imposed by power. Okay, but uh, we don't know. I mean, in depth, what they have thought, uh, of especially the 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 uh, conservative and the radical. But we can say that uh, they always treated the Christians are as uh, infidel, and they should be treated as second-class citizens to follow certain rules. Uh, the, the, the relationship was formally good, uh, but sometimes it does not maybe reflect what uh, really goes inside. I mean, they, uh, uh, on, on Christian feasts, the, uh, all the representatives of the government, including the Mufti, the Grand Mufti and all others come to Christian churches and they greet them for Christmas and for Easter. And uh, the Christians do the same on Islamic uh, feasts like uh, Futr and Adha feasts. But, and they take pictures together, etc. But this does not sometimes reflect what goes on with the public. So I don't know if I answered your question. Uh, Dr. Tamit, brother. Number one, thank you so much for coming here and uh, sharing with us and updating us, especially those, you know, for me and my family who came from Syria, uh, updating us on the situation. I certainly appreciate that. Now, I understand you correctly. It seems that the churches in the areas that are controlled by the opposition have been destroyed. The population has been displaced. Yeah. While, on the other hand, the churches that are in the areas controlled by the so-called regime have the freedom to practice, to yeah. worship, and so on and so forth. Now, all of the thousand Christians were displaced, but I think mostly in Tobin. So that good 400,000 came to your areas which puts more pressure on your churches to serve them. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, yeah. That's, right. that, that's true. That's true. All the relatively safe areas that received the displaced people are now condensed uh, with the very uh, big population. Uh, and we, like in our church, in our local church, we help around 800 families on monthly basis. Of course, uh, almost 200 
families of them are Presbyterians, and the 600 are uh, Christians and uh, uh, Sunni Muslims or Alawites. We help uh, with the. Uh, I mean, we don't make any uh, distinction on the basis of religion or faith, but we try not to support those who uh, back the uh, and uh, those who help the rebels. Uh, uh, because uh, people are in need and they come to the church and they know that the church uh, helps uh, uh, all people, especially the Protestant churches. Uh, it's not, uh, uh, the church is not uh, uh, fanatic, uh, which is not done by the mosques. I mean, the Muslims only help Muslims, but the Christians help all. We have a few photos of, um, of Reverend Salah and his congregation that I want to share. So we'll flip through those so he can tell you a little bit about them, as well as a little bit of the relief work that he is doing with his congregation in Latakia. So you all can kind of get a visual image of what that looks like. As he said, the Christians who are displaced, many of them are internally displaced within Syria, and they fled to cities in Syria where it's safe. Those are also cities where Christian churches, including Presbyterian churches, are still existing. And so the relief effort is significant because you've got not only the people living in your own city who are suffering from poverty caused by war, but you've also had this influx of refugees, internally displaced refugees. So, but there's also some really great things happening. And so just share some of these photos if, uh, there we go. So this. Uh, this is, uh, this is uh, my church. It, it was built, I mean, the building is in, in 1924. And this is during uh, Christmas. Uh, the the attendance are around uh, 350 people on that uh, Sunday. And these are the uh, Sunday school children. Uh, we have around 150 uh, child attend, and they come also from uh, different Christian denominations, and some are Muslims. I love this picture too because it reminds me of our church on Sunday mornings we call the children's moment. And there's yeah. a universality to children being a part of worship. Yeah. This is an attempt of uh, Joseph and Mary. He <laughs> <laughs> looks, looks like Isaac. Yeah, uh, this is the uh, bishop of the Syriac Orthodox Church, and we are in very good relation with the uh, with all the churches actually, because uh, I tell you a little bit about ecumenical relations. In 1974, the uh, Protestants, the Protestant churches, Presbyterians and Anglicans and Lutherans, and the Syriac Orthodox Church, they started what's called the Middle East Council of Churches which is the ecumenical body in uh, the Middle East, and then they included the Greek Orthodox and all the Coptic Orthodox. And in 1990s, uh, the Catholics joined, and now it includes all the uh, Christian churches in the Middle East, uh, except the Assyrian church, uh, because the Egyptians said that, <laughs> it's, it's funny story, the Egyptians said that the Assyrians uh, uh, are responsible uh, for founding of Islam 
when a, a priest in the 7th century fled from uh, Mesopotamia to uh, the Arabic Peninsula and he uh, uh, taught Muhammad uh, uh, Nestorian teachings. Yeah, and they said, we cannot uh, have them with us, which is, I mean, it's quite silly because uh, it's, uh, we are talking about 1,400 years uh, old story. This is the Palm Sunday, yeah. And Easter Sunday. Yeah, this is the food assistance. And uh, this person is displaced uh, uh, from, uh, uh, from a village, Christian village. And there's no one, no, no Christians in, in that village. Now it's the under control of uh, Nusra from group, which is uh, uh, Al-Qaeda, uh, uh, <coughs> yeah, uh, branch, maybe, all right. This is the registration of beneficiaries. I, yeah. I am amazed, uh, frequently, I know a little bit about the relief work they're doing, but it's extremely well organized. They keep track of who receives what, uh, so that they can provide reporting both back to the donors in donors in Lebanon and Syria, donors in the United States, donors in Europe, but also to keep track to ensure that they're not supporting anything else uh, that's going on in the country. And so there's a very, very well organized system. And, and Reverend Salam heads that whole system up. He's the one who trains people on how to do that system. And so I just, I am always amazed that in the midst of a civil war, they're able to keep records, if you will. Yeah. Um, and they, but they do so out of stewardship and out of ensuring that they're supporting the right causes. That's so. true. And no administrative fee of, of 20 and 70%. No overhead. Right. OK, we, we have, I, I apologize. He does need to go to North Avenue Presbyterian Church for worship. We're sharing him in the Greater Atlanta Presbyterian. Uh, and so he's got three minutes left if there are any more questions. Yes, please. I've had to find an answer to this for quite a while because it really puzzles me. But the Shia and the Sunni hate each other, and we know the historical reasons for that. But as far as trying to live together, do they have different mannerisms or different parts of culture that irritate each other? What is, what is making them really hate each other? How do you know if you're a Sunni or a Shia uh, Muslim? Why? Are they defined so rigidly? <coughs> and what makes them hate each other on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, well, uh, basically, the Sunni uh, consider themselves as the orthodox yeah. Islam. And they, uh, they make around 90% of Islam in the world. Right. While the Shia, with all their uh, uh, denominations and uh, traditions, they make 10% or maybe, maybe more, 12% or something. Uh, why do they hate each other? Uh, because there was an incident in history in Iraq where the two sons of uh, uh, Ali, uh, Hassan and Hussein, were killed by a Sunni uh, caliphate. Uh, so they considered this, and they have faced uh, many persecutions throughout history as a minority group, and they were considered um, a heresy uh, by Islam. So they consider them a lower order human being, a different, so 
the Sunni consider Shia a lower order and they're not to be respected and that they practice the Muslim religion maybe in a slightly different way or they make each other angry? They, they have their they own... Have, there has to be active hate going on here. They, they have their own theology and their own understanding. And they, by the way, the Shia, they keep uh, updating. Uh, I mean, some, some of the Shia uh, 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 leaders, uh, you can listen to them. Uh, and if you, if you shave their beards and take their hat, you'll think you're listening to a secular person because they keep updating. While the Sunni, they are stuck in a certain period, old period of time. And uh, that's, yeah, that's why they, they are not able to uh, move forward and be up to date to modern culture and modern civilization. There is a question there. It's a quick question, but in my mind, I'm showing a lot of people's mind. In your view, what is going to happen at the Christian church, considering the dwindling uh, uh, numbers, in light of the present situation and turmoil in that area? Uh, they will be, uh, I mean, it will not disappear, I don't believe so, but uh, they will be little in number and little in influence. Uh, uh, they will be more a more minority uh, in, the, in the number sense, and this will uh, affect their presence, their power, their uh, I mean, now till till now, uh, Christians are members of the parliament. They are members of the uh, ministry. There are two or three Christian ministers. Uh, they participate in all uh, political life in in Syria. Uh, but I mean, the number the, the number if the number keeps declining, then uh, they will have less influence. I'm really sorry to cut off the conversation, but we do need to get uh, Reverend Stone to North The question is, what can we do to help? And uh, I, I think we're going to be working with First Pres a lot in, in the coming months to talk about ways to help. But uh, Presbyterian Disaster Assistance is providing grants to support uh, displaced Syrians uh, in Syria and Lebanon. Uh, our, and our church supports PDA, and we can continue to do that and, and do that more so, and we'll talk about that. Um, and there are a, a lot of ways, intersectional ways, that we can help with this, including the work that we do with refugee resettlement. We're sponsoring a Syrian refugee family this year that you'll hear more about in the coming months as well. But we'll, we'll be talking more about the opportunities for ways that we can help and get involved uh, with our brothers and sisters in Christ in Syria. What I'd like to do would be close us in prayer. For those here on the front row, if you want to come lay hands on Pastor Salam, and for everyone in the back, if you want to just kind of as you feel comfortable, and let's let's pray for, for our brother here as he plans to go back over to Syria and do the work that he's called to do. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the church in Syria and Lebanon, for the incredible witness of light and life and the love of Christ that it is in a very challenging context. God, we give you thanks for Reverend Salamhana for the work that he is doing both in his local congregation Latakia and all across Syria in relief and rehabilitation in the midst of some very challenging contexts. Lord, we pray your blessing and your peace and your safety and protection over Reverend Salam, over his congregation and over all of the Christians in Syria 
as they continue to try to do their best to be the body of Christ in that challenging context. We also ask you, Lord, to challenge us, give us courage to respond to the call, to the need that there is in Syria and Lebanon for our Christian brothers and sisters there. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening, and uh, I appreciate uh, all your support.